Welcome, good morning. Oh, you can do better than that. Good morning. Yes. How many of you all out there know that God has an address? Anyone? Can we agree that he does have an address? Okay. And where does Jesus, where does God live? Anyone? Okay, so... God at his address. Just take a step back and praise him and let him come into this place. So we're going to welcome you all to do that with us today, to praise the Lord. Thank him for what he's done. Thank him for who he is. All right, here we go. Let's get those praise on.
Isaiah 25 and 1 says, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness, you have done wonderful things. Things planned long ago. You know, last week and the week before that, we talked about God's faithfulness. And this morning, as we begin to worship, we kind of talked about entering in last week of, and worshiping him in our current circumstance. And we talked about if we show him our faith, that he will show us his faithfulness. And I want to encourage you this morning to take this time right now. Take this time that even if your situation hasn't changed, even if you find yourself not uh, where you want to be, to know that God is faithful. And know that not only did the scripture say he's faithful, but it says in his perfect faithfulness. It might not look like we wanted to look or happen when, when we want it to happen, but we know that his faithfulness is perfect. So this morning, even if you're not seeing it at this current moment, know that God's going to be faithful to you and, and give him that praise and that worship. And that, I just want to invite you to thank him this morning and worship him. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. God, we thank you, Lord, for, for all that you've done for us, God, and all that you're going to do, God. And we believe and we stand together, God, in faith and believe that we will see your faithfulness, God. As we worship you, as we gather together and we, we enter into your holies of holies, God, and that your spirit fills this place, God, we ask that we just be able to stand, God, and believe in your perfect faithfulness, God. We give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.
upon you in a thousand generations. Your family, your children, their children, and their children. May his favor be upon you in a thousand generations. And your family, your children, and their children, and their children. May his presence go before you. Oh 
setting was Jesus had been crucified and he had been put in the grave and then he rose but during this whole time he was walking with his disciples he told them he said it's it's important that I go away because when I go away the father will send to you a comforter And so, they didn't get it. They didn't really understand it, but they they had watched Jesus be crucified, put in the grave. They'd watched him raise from the dead. Then they'd watched him ascend to heaven. And they were told, they said, I want you to go to the upper room, to this place. I want you to go there, and I want you to wait for the promise of the Father. And that promise was the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that when the Holy Spirit fills us, that it gives us power. Now we look at that and and a lot of times we read it and think, okay, well when I'm full of the Spirit, I'll be able to to stand on the street corner and, and, and proclaim, I'll be bold. And while that's true, something that maybe we don't think about or don't realize is that when it talks about being witnesses, we have to understand that the world is watching our lives. And sometimes we witness without ever saying a word. And so what happens is, is when we live our life and we don't have that holy anointing, that fresh wind, when we're not filled with the Holy Spirit and we're depending on Him every day, things will come in our lives and we end up living our life defeated. 
And so when the world looks at us, they don't see the witness of what Christ is and the power that we have because of him. And so this song simply says, I need a fresh wind. I need the the filling of the Holy Spirit because that's what gives us power. Power against the enemy. Power against when it feels like that everything is crashing down around us. And so as Rachel sings that again, I'm going to ask you for the next few minutes as she sings that you would be bold enough to say, God, I need Holy Spirit in my life. I need that power that you told me that the Holy Spirit would would give me to be a witness to the people around me. I need the power to live what you've called me to live because I can't do it in myself. And you may have walked in here this morning and you may feel defeated, but I want you to know that in this moment you can just say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you to fill me so that I can have the power that I need to be a witness for Christ. We need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. Oh, holy anointing. The power of your presence, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. We need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. A holy anointing, the power. Father, I thank you for your promise. Father, I thank you that we can live our lives not defeated, but victorious because of you. Father, I pray that as we open up our hearts and open up our minds, and God, I pray that you will fill us with your spirit. God, that we will understand that The Holy Spirit is an important part of our lives. God, I pray that you will continue to lead us and to guide us. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will fall on us every day of our lives. God, that we will look to you for the power that we need to be a witness for you. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Look at the person beside you and let them know that, tell them you are not powerless. Now look at the other person because they know that they were your second choice. Let them know that uh, you're glad they're here at Gateway.
Listen, we are so glad that you are here on this rainy Sunday morning, uh, first Sunday in October. Can I hear a big shout out for all you fall lovers? How many people have got your fall decorations up? Yes. How many people has already decorated for Christmas? Come on, I know there's a couple that want to. We did something smart this year. We, uh, if you come to our house, you'll still see our Christmas lights on the outside on our porch. We just didn't even take them down. And... Uh, Maybe it's because the person that put them up never came back to take them down, but, um, and you don't want to see me on a roof, all right? Um, the hospitals are busy enough. They don't need me there. I want to welcome you to Gateway. If you're a guest, thank you for being here. We're so excited, and we uh, don't take it for granted that you choose to be with us uh, this Sunday morning, and we pray that uh, God will do something in your life. I want to make you aware of a couple of things. Uh, we had our uh, Gateway giveaway a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it was awesome just to be able to meet people in the community and, and see God open up and, and we begin to network with some other people. And uh, so we have another opportunity to get into our community this coming uh, month. And it's October 23rd. Uh, we'll be having uh, what we've done, uh, seems like every year, I think, uh, Trunk or Treat. And basically what that is, is it's just what it sounds like. Uh, you come and you pull up your car and you open up your trunk and, and uh, you can decorate it. And uh, we give out candy and, and the community comes. But it just gives us a good opportunity to be able to, um, to allow the community to know that we're just not here for 444 Blackburn Avenue. But we are here to be a church for the community. And uh, we just continue to reach out. And, and uh, we've got all kinds of those things coming up throughout the end of this year. So I want to encourage you. There's a sign-up sheet downstairs in the cafe. Uh, if you want to be part of that and decorate your trunk, we would love for you to do that. And uh, the more that we have, just uh, the, the better that it is. The other thing is, as you will see out in the back, there is a, a place, a container, where you can bring, start bringing Halloween candy. And um, I, I promise you that uh, unless it's something I really like, which is I love the nerds, just the little packages of nerds. If you bring those, they may not make it till October 23rd. But anything other than that, we will guard with our lives. Uh, but what we like to do is we take that candy, and, and as we go through the evening, you may be running low on candy, and we just go and refill that. But that's October 23rd. Uh, the event is from 5 to 7, and uh, I pray that uh, you want to be a part of that. Uh, also, how many people realize that uh, this coming November, which is next month, believe it or not, uh, will, be, will mark 15 years uh, as, uh, that we have, Gateway Church has existed uh, it is hard for me to believe that it's been 15 years in 2006 uh, that we started uh, Gateway Church down in the uh, old AEP building and, and uh, where we have, God has brought us to and we know that we're nowhere near where he wants us to get and, and what we're going to do. Uh, but we're going to celebrate 15 years. And um, if you were here from the very beginning, just raise your hand. Anybody in this service? Oh, man, they're all on this side over here, you see. Uh, that's their seats. Don't take them. Okay, no, I'm joking. Um, but uh, we, uh, we're excited that you're with us. And uh, so this coming uh, November, November the 6th, it's on a Saturday night, uh, we're going to be having a, a special concert uh, with Jason Crabb and, and Mickey Bell. Uh, they were here back in the spring, I believe, um, and uh, we were able to, uh, to have them. And so we started working with them. Uh, immediately they said, we'd love to come back. And, and the difference this time is going to be that, that Jason will actually have his band with him. 
Uh, last time it was just an acoustic guitar, and, and we had just a great time. It was a night of, of laughter and, and just good music. And uh, so they're going to be with us. And so here's what I need from you. Um, I need you to, if you want to register, uh, you need to go to, if you see in the bulletin, if you get that, you can look at it on our Facebook page, but there's a place for you to go register uh, because we haven't opened this up to the community yet because the moment that we do that, this place is going to be packed. Uh, we've already gotten uh, messages. People want to know how to get tickets because it's on uh, Jason's website. And uh, so, but we haven't opened that up yet. We want to make sure that, that you're able to come. So we've already had, uh, I put it out there a couple of days ago. We've had uh, quite a few register, but I'm asking you to, to go do that. And um, we've made the event free. Uh, we're just going to take up an offering that night uh, to help go toward uh, the cost and, and the ministry. So, um, but I encourage you, if you, didn't get a, if you didn't get to be here last time, you missed out. And uh, so we're giving you a second chance. There's not a lot, of, a lot of times in life you don't get second chances. So this is your second chance. And uh, we look forward to that. Today we are going to uh, continue our series. For the last two weeks we've been talking about uh, the prophet Elisha. And this sermon series we've entitled Unbelievable Faith. And the first week we talked about uh, killing cows and, and burning plows. Uh, and how that sometimes in life there just comes a point that we have to say, listen God, there's no plan B. And we saw how Elisha, when he was called into ministry, he would, and he said, okay, I'm going to follow you. And, and what he had been doing was working on his parents' farm, and he'd been working there. And he went and told his parents, you know, I'm leaving. He came back. He killed the cows. He burned the plows. He gave everybody a stake. And he said, I'm gone because there was no plan B. Last week, Pastor Brandon talked to us about digging ditches. And we know how that in this story, the prophet Elisha, they came to him and said, we need water, you know. And, and he said, well, the first thing you need to do is get a shovel and start digging. And so they began to dig ditches. And in that moment, God, after they did what they could do, God did what he could do. And he filled the valley with water. And today we're going to look at a, another story from the prophet Elisha. And we're going to talk about gathering some jars. Before we get there, I want to tell you, as we will close this series next week, I want to tell you where we're going. Next week, we're going to, to talk about getting our edge back. Um, we're going to look at an axe head that fell into a body of water. And by the power of God, Elisha takes a stick. He throws it into the body of water and the axe head begins to float. You think, well, what does that, how does that relate to me? A lot of times in our life, we lose our spiritual edge. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? There's times in our life that, that we, we look at, at our spiritual walk and we say, you know, there was a time I was once closer to God than I am right now. There was a time in my life that, that my fire burned brighter. And I believe that, that next week is going to speak to you in a powerful way. I believe that, that God is going to help us draw closer to Him and to get that spiritual edge back. Today, I believe that God's going to speak to those who are overwhelmed. Anybody ever feel overwhelmed? Anybody walk in here this morning feeling overwhelmed? This confession is good for the soul. You've got all kinds of stuff going on. You feel like, man, there's just too much going on. You feel like, man, I'm just tired. I talked to somebody last week, and, and, and I was just honest with them. I said, you know what? I'm just tired. I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed. You feel like you don't have enough energy or, or maybe how many people think that there should be like more hours in a day so you can get done everything you need to get done? Anybody feel that way? 
How many people would like less hours in the day? So you could sleep longer, right? Some of us feel like we just don't have enough time because our lives are... And, and, and so, how many... Sometimes we, we feel like we're low on faith. And so today I, I'm praying as we continue this series on unbelievable faith that we begin to, to realize and that today will help build our faith and that in our times of need we will know who that we can trust. If you're here this morning and, and you find yourself running on empty, if you feel like there's just too much in one area of your life or another, I believe that if you'll open up your hearts and, and open up your, your minds to the Spirit and what He wants to, to tell us today, that you can leave here feeling different. So today we're going to look at a story found in 2 Kings chapter 4. And this is a, a familiar story. And we'll begin to read in verse 1 and 2. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Now as we look at this first two verses in chapter 4 of 2 Kings, the first thing that you'll notice is, is that we don't know the widow's name. The Bible doesn't identify her other than just she was the wife of a prophet. Now Jewish tradition says Many people believe that, that she was the, the wife of the prophet Obadiah. So if you read about Obadiah, it, it's no wonder that she was in financial need because he was known for protecting and providing for other prophets. So if it's Obadiah's wife, he would have taken all his resources and everything that he had uh, to meet the needs of the prophets, and, and now he's gone. And she's faced with a, uh, with a situation also, we know that prophets, it wouldn't be uncommon for, for them to financially struggle because they would spend the majority of their life living on the run, going from here to there, sometimes for their life. All they were doing, was they would just try to survive. So if we look at this story and we begin to, to picture, we have a, a, a widow. We're going to guess she was probably in her early to mid-30s. She's lost her husband. She's broke. She's overwhelmed. And now in this moment, because of the situation that she's in, she's already lost her husband and she's facing the reality that she could soon lose her two sons. She had no way for meaningful employment because in this culture, women were unemployable unless they would take a job that no woman really wanted to take you know what I mean. She was at a devastating place. She's lost her husband. Her creditors are coming. And the law said that if you couldn't pay your debts, that the people that you owed could take your sons as slaves. And they would be slaves until the year of Jubilee. And that was every seven years, because every seven years, your debt was forgiven. How many people would like to live back in the Old Testament? Come on now. We need some years of jubilee. She's at a point that she has no hope. Some of you may have walked in here today, and you may be sitting here, and, and maybe you're facing some what we would call smaller problems. I mean, it's, it's easy to get aggravated over small things. Amen? I mean, things like 
you stand around after church on a Sunday and you debate with you know, a group of people because we love doing life together, so going out to eat after church is just like the highlight of our day. But what's not the highlight is trying to figure out where we're going to eat. And so you stand there and you, and you finally, you know, you have that person that says they don't care where you go, but they really care and they shoot down every idea that you give. You finally come to decision, we're going to go to this restaurant. So here you are caravanning to the restaurant, three or four cars. You get out and you walk to the door and you pull it and it's locked. And then there's a sign on the door that says, uh, because of blah, 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 whatever, we're drive through only today. And in that moment, you are aggravated. You are disgusted. Or, or maybe you go to a restaurant and you're a picky eater. And so you look at the menu and you see, you want to see everything that comes on what you're ordering. Because there's something, we'll say, we'll say onions, that, that you do not want to eat. And so you double check to make sure there's no onions that's going to be on this. And you read the menu. And your food comes out, and guess what it has? Onions. And you grab the menu. They've taken the menu. You go up and grab the menu to look to make sure that you were right, that you weren't losing your mind. And no, it didn't say onions. You're aggravated. Now, you may notice that these two examples resolve around food. These may or may not be real-life examples. I may or may not be getting a chance to vent this morning. Maybe you put an address in your GPS and it takes you to a place and you pull up and that lovely woman says, you have arrived at your destination and you're looking and you see nothing but woods. And you're thinking, no lady, I haven't. And you're aggravated. Some of you may have walked in here with because if we're being honest, those are minor problems. It's easy to get aggravated over those, but some of you may have walked in here this morning and the reality is, is that you don't have minor problems. Because the Bible tells us in this world, we're going to have tribulation. We're not exempt from major problems. There's some of you here today that you have some major things going on in your life right now. You may be sitting here and your, your marriage is just hanging by a thread. You don't know if you're going to make it or not. You may be sitting here and, and someone that you loved and, and you thought would, would always have your back. They've betrayed you. They've lied to you. It's not a minor problem. Maybe you, you, you have a child that, that, or someone that you love dearly and you watch them and they're making wrong decisions and those decisions are taking them in a direction that you know is not good for them. And it's eating at you and it hurts so much to, to see someone that you love to continue to make wrong choices. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and, and you're in a financial situation where you don't know how you're going to get out of it. And because of it, you're under so much stress and, and so much pressure. And maybe you're like this woman, you've got the creditors calling. They're not going to take your sons, but maybe they're going to take your car or foreclose on your house or cut your electric off. You're sitting here with real problems, 
Maybe it's a, a health issue. And maybe you've just recently got a report from the doctor. Maybe for you or for someone that you love. Maybe someone that you love right now is battling for their life. And you know that if God doesn't perform a miracle, you know how it's going to end up. So you're here today and, and you have some serious problems. You're probably sitting there thinking, man, I'm more depressed now than I was when I came in. Thanks for pointing all this stuff out. But you're here and you have a significant need. Well, the good thing is, is that we serve a God that can drive into our spirits and that can build our faith. A God that can allow us to know and allow us to see that despite what it looks like, that if we'll just trust him, if we'll have this unbelievable faith. You see, when you don't have what you really want, how many people say you have everything you want? Nobody. So when we look at our lives, we realize when we don't have what we really want, we can discover God is what we really need. And we see that in this story. This woman is in significant need, and she expresses her need to the prophet. And so when we see, when she's talking to the prophet, first we look at what he didn't do. She looks at him, and, and she tells him everything that's going on. And Elisha doesn't look at her and say, man, that sounds like a bad problem, better you than me. He doesn't look at her and say, well, I'll be thinking about you. Listen, if I have a problem, please don't tell me you're thinking about me. Because I, what, I, what I want to know is, is that you're praying for me. Because when you begin to pray for someone, you do something significant. And so in this moment, that's exactly what Elisha does. He makes himself available to her. Elisha replied to her and he said, how can I help you? How can I help you? Those five words, how can I help you? And we look at those and, and we look at our lives and we need to understand that if we want to make a difference in this world, if we want to live a life filled with joy, we need to start every day and say, God, I am available to be your hands and to be your feet to this world. God, I'm available, and anytime there's a need, even if I can't directly meet the need, I want to be someone that God uses. I want to be someone that when someone says, I have a problem, I want to say, how can I help you? What can I do? I want to make myself available just like Christ would do. So Elisha looks at her and he says, how can I help you? And then he says, tell me, what do you have in your house? You notice he didn't say, okay, I'm here with all the answers. He looks at her and he said, okay, let's start with what you have. Let's look at what you have. And then once we see what you have, we're going to let God meet your need through what you have. So she says, your servant has nothing, has nothing at all. Why is it that when we're hurting, 
that all we can see is what we don't have. A lot of times when we're going through life and, and we're in a situation and we're hurting and, and we feel like that, that we're lacking, it is so easy to get tunnel vision. It is so easy to, to just hone in and, and to key in on what we don't have. And Elisha here is saying, tell me what you do have. But when we get down and depressed just like she was, we are consumed by what we don't have. We say, well, you know, I, I don't have enough money. I could never be happy. I don't, you know, I'm 35 and living in my parents' basement. I have no spouse. I have no relationship. I could, I, I could never be happy. I could never have a meaningful life. Or maybe this will hit home a little bit better. How many times, and don't raise your hand, okay? I mean, I guess you can if you want to, if confession's good for the soul. How many times have you walked into a closet full of clothes that line both sides, and you walk in and you look and you say, I don't have anything to wear. Come on, you've done it. You've got enough clothes to, to clothe a, a, a small village. But you walk in and you look at what you don't. Man, if I just had that blouse or if I just had that collar of shoes. Never mind the 47 pair that you got sitting there. But we all the time, when we're in this kind of situation, we focus on what we don't have. And that is exactly where this poor woman is. She's lost everything. Everything is against her, but all she could see was her lack. All she could see was what she didn't have. What do you have? Well, I don't have anything. Now, Elisha, being a prophet of God, I believe he knew what she had. And while she finished this, maybe he looked at her and said, maybe you just, you, someone, you ever said something and, and someone looked back at you and, and, and they, you knew that they knew that, that you were lying? And so then you fess up. You say, well, what do I do? What do I do when, when, I, when all I have is just a little? In that moment when we realize that, that maybe what we have, maybe we just consider it a little. But in that moment, we have to stop waiting for, for what you want and to start working with what you have. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. What did this woman want? She wanted the ability to pay off her debt. That's what she wanted. She wanted the ability to be able to live comfortably. But Elisha said, what do you have? So we continue to read once again. If, let's look at verse 2 again. He replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all. And then he probably shot her a look. Oh, yeah, except I do have that small, small jar of olive oil. She said, I do have that small jar of oil. Now, you look at it and you think, well, well was oil significant? Well, to be honest, it was incredibly valuable. It had tons of uses. You could use it for cooking. You could use it to help lamps burn. You could use it as, as moisturizer on your skin. I mean, you couldn't, you didn't, they didn't have local Mary Kay representatives, okay? You couldn't run down to Ulta. This oil, you know, helped 
get rid of these wrinkles. It had a lot of uses. It would keep leather pliable. It could keep iron from rusting. It was used to anoint people in religious services. She said, I don't have anything, oh yeah, except a small jar of olive oil. Now, when we look through the Bible, there are several instances that we see God taking something that we can, would consider small and doing something great with it. I'm reminded in the, the New Testament, Jesus had just preached to thousands of people. And he probably went a little long because by the time that, that he finished, he had some hangry people, okay, like you are around here. If I go five minutes too long, I hear about it. Everybody's done beat us to the restaurant. So here you got these people, and, and they're hungry, and, and, and they look at Jesus, and they say, what are we going to do? We don't have any food. How are we going to feed all these people? And in that moment, Jesus said, you know, what do we have? A little boy stepped up. He said, I've got five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, when this little boy stepped up to offer his lunch, I'm sure that some of the disciples probably rolled their eyes and thought, oh, great. Well, that's a snack for me. What are you guys going to do with the rest of these thousands of people? They probably thought, okay, little boy, thank you. Can you imagine what they would have thought when he stepped up and said, this is what I have, but I'll, it's not much, but I'll give it to you. And Jesus said, perfect. It's what I need. Perfect. It's exactly what I need. And can I tell you in that moment, it wasn't what he had that mattered. It wouldn't have mattered if it were, was peanut butter and jelly. It wouldn't have mattered. What, it wasn't what he had, but it was the fact that he gave Jesus all that he had. And when he gave Jesus all that he had, Jesus was able to take that and to turn it into something that was more than enough. He was able to take that and do something miraculous. The Bible tells us that everyone ate. And not only did they eat till they couldn't eat anymore, they had leftovers. How many people like leftovers? How many people will eat on leftovers four or five days? You people are crazy. I get to a point, but after about a day and a half, it's going to mysteriously go down the uh, garbage disposal. But they had leftovers. And, and I've mentioned this before, but, but the Bible is very specific in telling us how much that they had left over. It said they had 12 baskets full of leftovers. And you begin to think about that. You think about how many disciples were there? There were 12 how many of them were probably looking at this little boy and saying, this ain't going to work? So there were 12 baskets left over. And I'm just naive enough to believe that each one of those disciples that Jesus said, okay, Peter, this is yours, carry it. John, this is yours, carry it. And every one of them had to walk down the road carrying that basket, probably of stinky fish. And every time that they got a whiff of it, they were reminded that when God is given just a little, when God has given everything that we have, well, no matter if it seems insignificant to us, that he can do something miraculous with it. 
In the Old Testament, we know the familiar story of the Philistines, Goliath, and how that they were challenging the army of God. And they're sitting there and, and they're, they're scared to death because they say, there's nothing that we can do. We don't have anything that will compare. What we have is just something small. And God sent a little shepherd boy with just a sling and a stone. Once again, people looked at him and said, what are you going to do, little boy? Have you not seen how big he is? And David said, it doesn't matter. What I have and what I am may seem small, but with God, it's enough. And he's slain that giant. You see, the New Testament is very clear. Jesus said that if you just have a little bit of faith, it doesn't even take a lot. It describes it as the faith of a grain of a mustard seed. Sometime Google how big a mustard seed is. It's small. He said, if you just have that much faith, you can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, be removed, and it'll happen. So in this moment, Elisha says, what do you have in your house? There was a time that, that God asked Moses, what do you have in your hand? What is God saying? God is saying, listen, I have given you everything that you need, even though it may seem small and insignificant to you. I've given you everything that you need to get done what needs to be done. You notice God never said, what do you want? He didn't even say, what do you need? He said, what do you have? And we have to stop waiting for what we want. And we need to start working with what we have because God has given us everything that we need to do what he wants us to do. It's so easy to say that we can't because we don't. It's so easy to look at a situation and say, well, I don't have this, so I can't. But the reality is, by faith, we should be able to, to look at something and to say, I can because I don't. Because if we had what we needed, then God wouldn't be able to show us what we need to see. And what we need to see is that what we truly need is Him to do with what we have, what we can't do. Some of you are looking and, and you're going to say, well, what, what do I have? Or maybe you're looking and say, well, I wish I had something else because I could do something significant. I wish I had the ability to do this, or I wish I had more money to give to this, or I wish I had more time to, to, to work with in the church or to do things that make a difference. But God is saying, stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Maybe it is only a little. Maybe you're not a, a, an upfront person. Maybe you think, man, I wish I could get up and speak in front of people. But maybe you're a behind-the-scenes person, and you make the people that are up speaking look good. Whatever it is, maybe it's just a, a little bit of time. You say, well, I can, I can only give this amount because it's all that I have. God is saying, if you will give me that time. Can I tell you a principle? And this works. It'll work with your time. Start giving time to God and it'll feel like you have more than 24 hours in a day. Start giving a little bit of money to God and, and it'll feel like that you have more money than you need. 
Why is that? Because when we give to God what we have, even if it's just a little, God will use it to do great things. Who knows what could happen in your life if you're willing to just give God what you have. The second thing that we learn from this story is that when we offer God what we have, we can trust Him to give us what we need. Offer God what you have and then trust Him to give you what you need. Let's finish these last few verses of this story. Verse 3, Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. And Then go inside and shut the door behind you, you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. So she left him. She shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought her the jars to her, and, they, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went out and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, pay your debt. You and your sons can live on what's left. So in week one, we talked about killing cows and burning plows. In week two, we talked about digging ditches. In week three, we're talking about going and gathering some jars. You notice that in each of these stories of unbelievable faith, it took an action for God to do something miraculous. And if you think about it, this was, this was a ridiculous request. I mean, can you imagine this woman? I mean, here she is at her wit's end, and, and he's telling her, just go get some jars. Just go around and get some jars. And then he says, empty out everything. Get the jars and empty it out. And then trust God to provide what you really need. And that may seem ridiculous, but can I tell you that when we show God our faith, He will show us His faithfulness. When we show God our faith, we get to witness how faithful that He is. When you take what you have and you stop waiting for what you want, but you offer what you have to God, he'll do something special. So he says, go get a bunch of jars. Now notice, he didn't say what color. He didn't say what size. He didn't say what shape. He said, just go get some jars. I mean, it could have been a country crock butter tub. Because we know we can use that for everything, right? Anybody do that? Listen, I used to go to my grandparents' house and I would need some butter, so I'd get in the refrigerator, and I'd see that country crock, and I'd open it up, and it was like six-year-old spaghetti. And in that moment, I didn't need butter anymore because my stomach was turned, and I was like, okay, I'm just not going to eat. It, says, it doesn't matter what it is. Just go get it. Know that, that all I want you to do is just go get some jars. The only thing, the only requirement was this. He said they need to be empty. They need to be empty. When we look at our lives and we look at everything that we're going through, if we take a true 
and we evaluate ourselves and we're honest, a lot of times we are filled with pride. We're filled with greed. We have our own agendas. And so we have all these things in our life and we come to God and we say, God, I need you to fill me. And he's looking at our lives and he said, I can't. I can't fill you because you're filled with everything else. You see, when she went and got these jars, it doesn't tell us what was in those jars. It could have been some valuable stuff. It could have been some important stuff. But he said, I want you to dump it out because the jars have to be empty. And there's a lot of us that we're walking around wanting God to fill us, but we haven't given him an empty vessel. And we've got so much stuff crammed into our life that there's really, there's no room for God. And God says, if you'll empty yourself out and you'll come to me, I'll fill you. These jars were filled with oil. Well, in the Bible, the oil is is representation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that, that we sung about. We said, God, we need a fresh anointing. We need you to fill us. Because as we walk through life, there'll come a point in time that we realize that, that outwardly we don't have what we wanted. But if you can ever get to a point that you understand that, that I may not have what I want, but God is truly what I need. I, I talk with so many people. They're going through so much struggle and and I look at their lives and they just haven't realized that he's enough they haven't realized that, that, that when we're weak that he's our strength they haven't realized that, that when we're hurting he's our comforter that when we're lost he's our guide that when we're hungry he's the bread of life When we're thirsty, he's the living water. When we're unstable, he's the rock that doesn't move. That's who he is. No, I don't have what I want. But God, fill me with what I need. And in that moment, if we'll stop waiting for what we want, And say, God, this is all I have, but I'm emptying myself out and I'm giving it to you. Now you do with it what only you can do. And by doing that, we're doing two things. We're saying, God, this is what I have. I'm giving it to you. But when we do that, if we give, if you give somebody everything that you have, what do you have left? If you've got $5 in your pocket, and you pull it out and hand it to your teenage kid because they're always asking for money. 
When you do that, you, you're thinking, this is the, the last $5 that I have in my pocket. When you give everything that you have, now your pocket's empty. And it's the same way in our lives. When we take what we have, I mean, in reality, $5 is not a, not a lot. Don't tell my daughter because she thinks it's a lot. But we take what we have and we give it to God and we says, now God, here it is. Now I'm empty. Now you do with it and fill me just like you did these jars. And what does the Bible say? It says, not only did she have enough money to pay off her debt, but she had enough to live. And once again, that is just the principle that God is more than enough. She would have been happy just to be able to keep her two sons. She would have been happy just to to get back to zero. God said, no, 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 I'm not going to work that way. You give me just that little jar of oil that you have. Give me just that little jar of oil and I will do exceedingly, abundantly more than you could ever hope, think, or ask. He gave her enough not only to pay her bills, it was a retirement plan. That's the God that you serve. That's the God that I serve. The God that would take something small and do something miraculous. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. You may be standing here today and you're saying, God, I don't have a lot. You may be standing here today and you you may think that it feels like this is all you got, just, just a little jar of oil. God is saying, empty yourself out. God is saying, give it to me. Whatever it is, because I want to do great things in your life. If you're here and you're overwhelmed and you think, running my kids here and there and they're in this sport and they're doing that and they're doing this and I'm overwhelmed I'm so tired God say wait wait, wait a minute give me what you have even if it's just a little and watch what I can do with it watch what I can do with it he's saying empty yourself don't come to me so full of everything else that I can't do what I want to do. So as you bow your head, I want to ask, would you, is there anyone here today that says, Pastor, if I'm being honest with myself and with God, I walked in here today overwhelmed. I feel like that, I feel like that what I have is just not enough. Would there be anybody? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? I feel like what I have is just not enough. I feel like it's insignificant. Thank you. The Holy Spirit wants you to know. Just give it to me. Empty yourself out. I'll do the miraculous. Would there be anyone here that says, 
Pastor, I'm I'm at a point in my life and I feel like that I have no value. I feel like that I want to do great things for God. But everybody else, they have more talent than I do. They have more resources than I do. And, and, and I just, I feel insignificant. Would there anybody here that says, that's me? Thank you. That's me. Here's how we're going to close this service. As I tell you every week, this altar is open. From the first note to the ending amen, this altar is open. If you need prayer or you want our prayer team to pray with you, all you have to do is walk down here, stand, kneel. We will pray with you. We will believe with you. So in this closing, if you're here and you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to understand. I need to empty myself out. I need to give God just what little I have and allow him to do what he wants to do in my life and in the lives of those around me. There's a Southern Gospel song and we don't, I'm almost ashamed to admit that I, know this but there's a song that says little is much if God is in it let that resonate in your heart little is much if God is in it God's saying just give me what you have and watch what I can do so as I pray as Brandon plays if you want the prayer team to pray with you come down to this altar If you just want to stand where you are and say, God, I give you everything that I have. I'm emptying myself out. Fill me with the oil from heaven that I can have power. Father, I come before you right now. God, I'm thankful. God, for everything that you've spoken into us. God, Father, I pray and I believe today, God, that there's people here who need to know how much that you love them, how much that you care about them. God, the enemy is so good at making us feel so insignificant. God, at making us think that we don't have all that we need. God, we begin to focus on what we don't have. But God, I pray through the Holy Spirit that we'll begin to realize that we have everything that we need. God, I pray that as we empty ourselves out to you, God, of of our agendas, of our pride, of our greed, of all the things that, that just going through life will fill us with, God, we empty it out to you today. God, we give it away. And Father, we say, take now this empty jar, this empty vessel, and use me. Fill me with your oil. Fill me with the Holy Spirit that I can walk in power, not defeated. God, we can't do it in us. God, we can only do it through you. Here I am. God, it's and yours. Here.
It's right where you're standing. Can you just pour your heart out to it? God, use me. God, I give it to you. God, use me. God, I empty myself out. I give you everything. Father, I trust you. Listen, there are going to be days There are going to be a lot of days that you feel overwhelmed. There are going to be days that it feels like that that everything that can go wrong is going wrong. There are going to be days that you just want to throw up your hands and quit. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Because the Bible tells us that in this world, we're going to have trouble. We're not exempt from it. I mean, you look at everything that Jesus went through as he walked on this earth as flesh, like you and I. And even though he was flesh, he was still the son of God. And you look at how many times that the enemy tried to trip him up. It's going to happen. You say, well, what do I do? You do just like Jesus did. When he was in trouble, you know what he always did? He looked to the Father. So this morning, I want to challenge you. Every day, every day before you start your day, look to him. Empty yourself out and say, God, as I go through today, use me. God, I I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Use me. God, I empty myself out. Yes, I've got all kinds of things that, that, that I think that I need to have happen. But God, I'm giving it to you. God, take what little I have and use me to make a difference. That's my challenge to you. And if you do that, you'll have joy that you can't imagine. That's the joy of being used by God. I want to thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for allowing us to speak into your life. Once again, if you're a guest, if you just hang around in your seat for a couple minutes, I'd love to come by and just introduce myself and chat with you for a few minutes. Remember everything that we have going on, life groups happening every night of the week. You can find those at thegate.life. If you've not got involved in one of those, it's not too late. Get involved. It'll make a difference. We love you. Have a great Sunday. And uh, we'll see you hopefully at a life group this week. Give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. myself away so you can use me my life is not my own to you I belong I give myself I give myself to you
is not my own to you i belong i give myself i give myself to you i give myself away i give myself away so you can use me i give myself away i give myself away so you can use me